Good day, welcome to Try Talk SA. My name's Brad Brown. Uh, it's good to have you on board. Thanks for downloading and taking the time to listen to this podcast. It is aimed specifically at the South African triathlon market. Uh, we have some great races in this country, some uh, amazing events, great places to train, some brilliant athletes too. We'll be hopefully featuring some of those in the weeks and months to come. No co-host on this program just yet. We are looking for one though, so if you think you could be it, uh, all you need to do is get over to trytalksa.co.za okay, uh, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Record a one-minute clip that you can email to podcast at trytalksa.co.za. And uh, if you're full of personality, if you love triathlon, just really passionate about the sport and you eat, breathe, and sleep triathlon, you could be exactly what we're looking for. All the details are on our website. Uh, we could be looking for you. Trytalksa.co.za. Coming up in this week's show, uh, we're going to be chatting to a guy called Chris Fiesel, who is uh, pretty much a weekend warrior. He's a pretty decent athlete as well, I might add. Uh, he's completed nine Ironman South Africas, but he's off to Kona. Uh, didn't win his age group, but actually won a spot in the Kona lottery. Uh, always heard a lot about it, but didn't know much about it. I quizzed Chris on that. Also, how his training's going through the middle of winter. Uh, a lot of people take some time off after Ironman South Africa. Chris normally does as the first time he's training through, but we'll chat to him about that as well. Also was lucky enough to catch up with Claire Horner from My Training Day. She's a phenomenal athlete as well. We chat a little bit about her sort of racing career and what her sort of hopes and aspirations are in the coming months and years. And then we also chat a little bit about training in Cape Town through My Training Day, what they do and how you can uh, sort of get some help from them as well. And then I caught up with Gavin Krobelar from the multi-sport basement uh, just to chat a little bit about bike setup and, and what you should look for and how important it is uh, in setting up your, your sort of bike as, as best as you should. So that's coming up in this week's show. If you'd like to get in touch, you can. We're on Twitter. You can follow us at TritalkSA. You can also like us on Facebook. All you have to do is search for TritalkSA. Or you could pop me an email. It is podcast at TritalkCO.za. Be sure to check out our website as well. There's lots of resources on there. It is www.trytalksa.co.za. Well, the ultimate uh, sort of goal or, or sort of race for triathletes to do is definitely Kona, Ironman World Championships, uh, and you've got to be pretty good to, to qualify for that. They do have uh, a lottery sort of system that you can get in on as well, but I know that's pretty difficult to, to get in. And uh, I thought I know someone this time around who's going, and I thought, you know what, uh, let's have a chat to them. Uh, Chris Fiesel. Chris, how's it going, mate? Are you well? Yeah, not too bad in yourself. Thanks, Brad. Awesome, awesome. You you are going to Kona this year. Uh, it's November, right? Um, it's actually in October. Oh, is it October? October? Sorry, that's right. My bad. Uh, in or beginning of October, and uh, you. Let, let me just give a bit of background. You're a nine-time Ironman. You've done Ironman South Africa nine times, which is pretty cool. Because I'm going to get into that as well. Next year being the tenth race, you're one of just a handful of people that have done all of them. Uh, that's right. I'll, uh, there's, I think there's 21 of us that have done all nine. Um, initially set out to do just the, the first one. That was one that was on the bucket list along with comrades and a whole lot of other endurance events. But yeah, here we are, nine, nine Ironmans down. And, and definitely going back for the 10th anniversary, I'm taking it. Definitely, yeah. That was the whole goal, is to get to 10. It's like comrades where you get your green number, uh, two oceans where you get your blue number. So 
yeah, let's see what uh, Ironman South Africa have got in, in store for us. Well, well, the interesting thing is you're going to do your 10th one, not at Ironman South Africa. You're going to be doing it in Hawaii. Chris, tell me, how did that come about? I mean, I've seen the, the sort of things on the website with regards to the, uh, the lottery and, and getting in, but I've never really dug deeper. Tell me, tell me how it came about that you ended up entering the lottery and, and ended up winning. Well, I entered the lottery for the first time when I did Ironman South Africa. I saw something in one of the magazines where you can qualify for Kona uh, by entering this lottery system. What it is is you pay 40 US dollars. Um, it's all done through Ironman in the States. Um, and then around about April every year, they draw 200 names. The first 100 names will come from what they call a legacy program. That's guys that have done 12 Ironmans or more and have entered the, the Ironman lottery but never actually been chosen. And then the other 100 names are just random guys off the street, anyone that wants to enter. Um, and they take 100 names worldwide. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, there's about eight, eight to 9,000 people every year that enter the lottery. Wow. And you got it this year? I did, yeah, indeed. It was quite funny. The draw this year was actually on the day of Ironman South Africa. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so I was walking back from, um, from the transition area after collecting my bike at about 8 o'clock. And I said to my wife, I said, I'm so glad I can just relax now. There's nothing to do over winter. I can pack the bike away, take it easy, and then summer I'll start up again. Uh. <laughs> and literally an hour later, I was watching the golf, and I thought, hey, it's the lottery today. Let me just check online quickly. Lo and behold, there was my name in black and white. That's amazing. So Kona it is in October, which means that putting the bike away over winter is not possible. You're training through winter at the moment, aren't you? I am indeed, yeah. I, I took two weeks off. Um, I think after Ironman South Africa, you need a bit of a break. And I started training slowly. But while I was doing that training, I thought, you know, it's going through winter, training alone, and going to Ironman, which is, I mean, it's the mecca of triathlon. It's Norman Stadler put it well. He said um, Ironman Hawaii is basically like playing center court at Wimbledon or riding in the Tour de France for triathletes. Um, so what I've done is I've actually signed up with Reynaud Tissink, and I'm getting coached by him over winter, and I'm basically six weeks into my training program now. Brilliant. Have you have you ever sort of trained with a coach before? Is this is this a first? This is actually a first. You'd swear I would have done it before, having done nine Ironmans, but uh, I've pretty much winged it along the way. There's a lot of information online that yeah. you search, and you can see general ideas of how to train, but I don't think I've actually trained properly in the last nine years. Okay, and, and I mean, Reynolds pedigree speaks for itself has it made a massive difference do you reckon it has yeah i'm actually i'm for the first time in my life i'm actually training on proper heart rates i'm doing um certain sets whether it's in the pool or on the bicycle or running um so there's actually a, a nice structure to it which is great uh, uh, do you regret not getting a coach earlier <laughs> <laughs> i think i do yeah because I, I don't know if I, I don't know how much better i would have been over the last few years okay if then i had a coach and then tell me this winter thing. I mean, I, I, I think I've been in the pool once since Ironman South Africa in April. I just can't wrap my head around swimming in winter. What do you do? I mean, obviously, you've got a big goal. That's probably the biggest thing that's driving you. But what do you do when you don't feel like going and, and doing a swim set? I just basically remember that, I mean, there's a lot of people that would love to race Ironman Hawaii. I mean, it's been a dream of mine since I started triathlon. Um, and if you, can't, if you can't motivate yourself for Hawaii, then you're in the game for the, for, for the wrong reasons. I mean, you have to motivate yourself for Hawaii, whether it's two degrees out on the bike. When I rode on Sunday morning, it was minus two at one stage. Brr. But the swimming pool, I must say, the swimming pool is actually not too bad because obviously all the pools are heated if you've got a gym membership. Yeah. 
Um, once you leave home, obviously you dress warm, get in your car, you go to the gym, get in the water. So the swimming is actually not that bad. I'm actually enjoying the swimming. It's the bike where I'm really struggling because um, no matter what clothing you wear, the, the, that cold just gets in and it really hurts. Yeah, and South Africans in general, I mean, we're not prepared for, for sort of cold weather. I mean, if you look at our gear, it's, it's not sort of made to, to be riding in those sort of temperatures. But it is what it is, and, and I think it probably does boil down to the goal. I think you're right that if you've got a goal big enough, you're willing to make the sacrifices and, and get out there. Logistically, to get to Kona, I, I know it's, it's been, I mean, I was following your sort of journey a bit like when you were setting it up on, online. How difficult has it been to, to sort of get the flights in place and accommodation? Has it been a bit of a nightmare? It hasn't actually been a nightmare. I think the, the initially I was I was so excited when my name came up. And then I spent the first week and a half every night I was online checking airlines, checking travel agencies, trying to just go through search engines to see which is the best option. And funny enough, there was a quite a large travel agency that ended up uh, doing everything for me online. Um, it's a nightmare to get to because I've got to fly to London. Then from London I'm flying to Los Angeles. Then from Los Angeles I fly to Kona. So it's. Um, three flights and I think it takes me about 36 hours flying time to get there and then obviously coming back is even worse but I'm not too concerned about coming back um, I think the, the the main thing was to get there a little little bit before the race unfortunately I've got a job so I had to take a, a week and a half off work but I'd love to go there for let's say two three weeks acclimatize get used to everything but in the real world when you've got a wife and kids and a career you you have to make do with what you've got. I love that. Unfortunately, I have a job. It's. I think that's. <laughs> I think that's every triathlete. He's like, oh, gee, I've got to go to work. I'd rather be out training. I'd uh, love to, yeah, I'd love to be training. I'd love to be on my bicycle <laughs> right now. Brilliant, Chris. Tell me. I mean, it's it's sort of been an amazing journey. What got you into into triathlon in the first place? I mean, you've been around it for a while, obviously, with with having done nine Ironman South Africa. But what got you into the sport in the first place? I actually started off, I started off socially with a bunch of mates. We used to do the 5FM NRJ triathlons and we would enter as a team, take a cooler box and a scuttle down and make it a social thing. So we'd go down there with about three or four teams and I would be the swimmer. Uh, I don't know how I ended up swimming because I was the worst swimmer out of everyone. And I used to come out of the water last maybe five or ten people in the team, team event. And then that transpired into us deciding to enter individually. Um, I borrowed a bike from a friend, did my first triathlon in Pretoria, and then we started doing the individual events more and more. And then I went to the UK. When I came back from the UK, I was in the UK for about two years, came back from the UK and I said, you know what, I'm going to have this bucket list. I want to do Ironman. I want to do Comrades. I want to do Argus. I want to do Two Oceans. I want to do the Midmar. You know, all those things you don't get to do in the UK. And I started training for Comrades, believe it or not, after I gave up playing soccer. And I got sidetracked. Uh, I entered Ironman that first year, got totally hooked on it, and I haven't looked back since then. And tell me, I mean, it's, it's been, I'm sure it's been an amazing journey, and you've, you've learned a hell of a lot over, over the time. But if, if somebody's listening to this who's just getting started in the sport, if you could go back and start again, because, I mean, we all know we've made tons of mistakes on our journeys. If you could go back and start again, what's one thing you would do differently? Wow. Um, I still make mistakes. Um, this year, Ironman South Africa, I had like novice, novice things that I did. So every year you learn something new. I wish I'd started, started the longer stuff earlier. Um, I was involved in team sports for about 25 years, and I'm really enjoying the individual sports. There's something about me, and I don't have to rely on anyone else. I can do it all for myself. Okay, cool. And then, Chris, I, I, I want to get some, some sort of dirt here. 
you, you, you working you working with Reynard, right? That's right. Yeah. What, what's the biggest thing you've learned from him? Um, I'm actually doing base training, which I mean I've never done base training in my life before. So I'm running at sixty percent heart rate, and when I look at my watch, it's like I'm, I'm almost walking. So it's very frustrating. But you know he knows what he's doing, so I've just got to I've just got to trust him. Which our base training has been very weird. I mean, I get guys running past me, um, especially like guys that are on their way to work, guys in overalls and boots, you know, that are late for a taxi or something. And they come running past me, and here I am in all my fancy gear. You know, I've got the watch, I've got the earphones, I've got everything. And the guy comes past me like I'm standing still. And I actually want to say to him, listen, guy, I'm, you know, I'm base training. I've got to watch my heart rate. But uh, it, has been, it has been fun, though. I love it. I love it. Uh, and then goal-wise for Kona, are, are you prepared to spill the beans? What are you going for? Um, I, I just like to have a comfortable race. Um, that's why I'm preparing as I am. You want to go there and know that you've done everything possible. This year at Ironman South Africa, I went under-trained. I didn't run enough, didn't bike long enough. So I want to go there knowing that I've done everything possible, um, that I'm prepared. And obviously, you have the things that go wrong in the day, which you don't, you don't have control over. I'd like to go under 12 hours, but I've been warned by Kona veterans that you can't go to Kona and have an, an expectation of time. You've got to go there and enjoy it. What I want to do is I want to go, I want to enjoy the scenery, take, take in the whole vibe, and I want to finish with a smile on my face. I don't want to be walking down the last 5, 10 Ks cramping badly or stomach problems or anything like that. So I just want to have a good day out there. But if I can go under 12 hours, I'll be a happy guy. Yeah, it'll be a great time. And then, Chris, with regards to, to sort of other South Africans that are, that are going to be involved, do you know of any other South Africans that have won a spot lottery-wise? Um, there was one guy from Sunning Hill, who, um, a guy called Clint, who won a lottery slot. I think it was two years ago. He was, the, he was the only South African. And this year, I was the only African to actually be chosen wow. as well. Most of the guys are from the States or from Australia or UK. So I'm the only South African going through the lottery, which is, yeah, it's quite strange because I know – in the U.S., there's a lot of people that don't like the lottery. They say you've got to earn your slot. But, you know, for guys like me who I'll never have that talent to, to qualify. I mean, pushing 40 years now, uh, I don't think I've got a chance of doing a 9.15, 9.20 Ironman. My best so far is 10.49. So, yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of guys going that have qualified through Ironman South Africa. There's actually two guys from the Tri Club that, are, that I know that are going. So there are guys that are there on, on merit, but I'm the only guy that's going through on a lottery. Hey, it all counts. And I always joke because I'm also one of those sort of plotters at the back. There's no ways I'm going to qualify. My only chance of qualifying is if I outlive everyone in my age group. <laughs> but I've seen even the, even the age groups like 60, you know, when we sit at the prize giving, you look at the podium. I mean, I think I, eventually I get to the podium at about 60 to 65, <laughs> maybe 65 to 70. There's not many guys in the 80 to 85. Chris, that's <laughs> I think we're going to be training for a long time, Brad. <laughs> Chris, it's been awesome catching up, and, and hopefully we can chat again soon before you leave. I'd love to catch up with you as well while you're there, if at all possible, just to, to take in a bit of the, the sort of sights and sounds of, of Hawaii and, and just to, to get a real feel for what that race is like. Definitely, I'll keep you posted. Um, I'll obviously be online with the Twitter and all that, and uh, keep you keep you informed as to what's going on with the training. But yeah, it'll be good to hook up when I'm in Hawaii. Um, as a just a layman, it's to go through Hawaii. I don't, I've got no, no idea what to expect. I know it's going to be warm, but uh, I just want one of those little floral lay things and a grass skirt, and then I'm happy. <laughs> Chris, thanks for catching up today. We'll definitely be in touch. What I'll do as well is I'll put your Twitter handle uh, on our website, so if anybody wants to follow your journey to Kona, uh, they can as well. Super. Thanks for your time, Brad. It's been good chatting to you. Good luck with that training over winter, buddy.
We've got some amazing, amazing triathletes uh, in South Africa, and it's uh, a lot of people think being a professional is this really gra- glamorous life. You get to tour the world and, and, and get to race some cool races, but uh, truthfully, it's really tough to make a living out of triathlon, and uh, a lot of times uh, so-called pro athletes really need to work for a living, and, and I've got one of them on, on the show with me this week uh, who, who does an amazing job racing-wise, but also does an amazing job on the coaching side of things. They work full-time. Uh, and uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have Claire Horner on the show today. Claire, thanks for chatting to us today. Uh, from a, a personal perspective, tell us what is it like to, I mean, you consider yourself a pro athlete, but you don't make a living out of it. You work eight to five. How difficult is it to, to sort of train at that sort of intensity and still have to, to put in a full day's work? Uh, thanks, Brad. Yeah, thanks for having us on the show. Um, yeah, it is pretty difficult, but I think most South African athletes, um, especially tri-athletes, have the same situation we're in. Um, so we just kind of manage our time and, and you've just got to be pretty well organized. Um, you know, we, we training early in the morning and then going straight to work at eight o'clock and then going back to training in the afternoon. So, um, yeah, you, I think we none the wiser we get around it and there are days that I would like just, you know, an afternoon off or something, but oh, we're happy with what we do and we love the racing and, and we love the work that we're doing. So I wouldn't change it. And Claire, tell me, from a personal perspective, racing-wise, what's next on the cards for you? Um, well, we, Kent and I would really, really like to qualify for Kona next year. Um, so that entails quite a few Ironmans um, internationally. Um, so we're planning um, hopefully to get to Japan um, at the end of August for Ironman Japan. And then, obviously, we've got to do about three or four others um, over and above South African one um, because the pros work on a point system. Um, so we have to get different points or, or we've got to collect points and then top 30 women go to Kona and top 50 uh, guys go to Kona. So, so it's a long shot, but we, we're going to give it, you know, we're going to give it our best. Wow, it's quite a, quite a process. And tell me uh, yeah. of, of late results, like what, what's the last thing you raced and how did it go? Um, <laughs> this season hasn't been that great for me. Um, I actually, I didn't finish 70.3 because I punctured. And then um, I actually just needed to take a little bit of time out and, and get back into training again. Um, so, so, yeah, this is pretty much going to be my first race of the season. Um, Kent had a great race, obviously, in, in Ironman. He was ninth, so, um, so he's, he's racing really well. Yeah, so hopefully this is the start of a good season. Were you quite bleak that you didn't race this year looking at the conditions? I was, yes. It was beautiful <laughs> conditions. And it is typical that I would choose a, a year like this, but it was probably the best thing for me. It just, you know, it just got me excited again to race. Um, I got to watch my athletes race as well, which is really good from a coaching point of view. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a really, I wouldn't have it any other way. And speaking of which, that's also one of the reasons why I wanted to chat to you too with regards to your athletes. You guys run quite a big coaching academy down uh, in Cape Town called My Training Day. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, yes, yeah, we've, we started in 2006 just as a little online business, um, and then it's grown from there. Uh, Kent, Kent's now come on board as well, so the two of us are running it together, which has been really, really nice. Um, and people still think it's a bit crazy that we, we married, we work together, we train together, we kind of <laughs> do everything together, but it works, it works really well. Um, and we've got, we've got athletes across South Africa, we've got a few athletes overseas, um, but the majority of the athletes are here in Cape Town, um, just because we've got a lot of uh, group training and squad training and stuff on offer, and people really like that, you know, 
in this day and age, it's nice to train with people as opposed to on your own. Yeah, absolutely. And and Claire, tell me, you you talk about the online online side of it. That's I guess the nice thing with technology; it allows that sort of thing. Yeah. If somebody's sitting in 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 Polokwane, Pumalanga, yeah. wherever, and they're listening to this and go, you know what? I would love a bit of help. What do they need to do to get in touch from from an yeah, online it, coaching it, perspective? It's pretty easy to do. I mean, that's that's where the core of the business is. Actually, is the online stuff. Um, Obviously, we've got a website, which is www.mytrainingday.com, um, and they can contact us via the website, and then we just get a whole lot of personal details from them, medical info, um, their goals, their time constraints, all that kind of stuff. And then um, one of our coaches, we set them up with one of our coaches, either Kent or myself, or, or we've got a couple other coaches on board as well. Um, and that person discuss, discusses their training goals with them over email or on telephone, um, and we work like that. So, so as long as the person is happy to chat over email or on telephone, it's, it's a training program works really well. Okay, and then if somebody's based in the Western Cape, you talked about the, the sort of group training sessions. Uh, how, does, how does that work? Um, well, we've got, we've got quite a few group training sessions on offer, mainly in the southern suburbs in Cape Town. And we've got, um, you know, we've got squad swimming, uh, uh, track runs, and we've got a swimming coach that runs the, squ- uh, the squad swimming. And then Kent and I run the cycling and the running, um, and we've got different groups of different speeds, so we all meet together, and I give them, obviously, their session for the day, and, and off we go from there. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I'm going to pick your brain. Obviously, I'm based in Joburg. You guys are based in Cape Town, and, and I was chatting a little bit earlier about training in winter and and the guys in Joburg bitch and moan about how terrible our winters are but at least the sun's shining how do you guys cope with with the sort of I mean let's be honest the the Cape Cape Town winters can be can be horrible (laughs) at times how do you guys cope with sort of wrapping your head around knowing that you have to get out and train in that it has been pretty bad I must say especially these last two years has been pretty hectic um, but we kind of, when winter arrives, we, we get onto the mountain bikes and we do a lot more indoor stuff. Um, they always say there's no such thing as bad weather, it's just bad clothing. So, but I tend to disagree with a lot of people because riding in the rain isn't fun at all. Um, so we've got a lot of indoor sessions. Um, I've, you know, we've got a couple of trainers that the guys use and, you know, they get their program and they go and do it in the gym, et cetera, et cetera. So, so there's ways around it. It's not fun, <laughs> and um, but but we get around it, and you know everybody seems to manage. Um, it becomes particularly you know a problem when the guys are training for world champs, which is in September. So then they're training right through winter in in the cold and in the dark, and and it becomes pretty tough. But but I suppose it makes you quite an honest athlete. <laughs> Without a doubt. And and you talk about some of your athletes that you got to watch them at Ironman South Africa this year. Uh, have you got any good ones in there that, that sort of names worth watching in the age group ranks that we should look out for? Oh, we've we've had a great season of um, of guys racing. I mean, we had um, Matt Troutman's one to watch. Um, he won his age group at um, SA Ironman. Um, and then we've got some youngsters at uh, SA Champs. So that's more the Olympic distance. Um, people like Russell Gaynor, um, Celeste Reno, they're really racing very, very well. Um, and we're hoping they're going to go to Olympic distance world champs. So, yeah, Matt's training for Vegas as well as Kona. So, yeah, no, it's, um, it's looking really good for those guys. That sounds amazing. Claire, and then I want to pick your brain if I can. If, if mm. someone's listening to this and they're thinking about getting into triathlon, can you give us sort of like three tips that an out-and-out newbie can do to sort of avoid some of the pitfalls that we've all been through? <laughs> well, the first tip I can give is don't do it on your own. 
Um, you need somebody, whoever you choose, you need somebody just to give you advice on things like equipment um, because there's a whole lot of stuff out there that you don't actually need. Um, so you don't need to spend hundreds and hundreds of rands, you know, just getting yourself set up. You can do with a bare minimum. Um, and it's just nice to have people, you know, your coach as well as the people that you train with explain to you what's good for tri- uh, training and what's not necessary for training and also the loneliness of doing it on your own. It is better to be in a group um, so that, you know, if it is pouring with rain, it's nicer to go out in the trails in the rain with people as opposed to on your own. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the one thing we could say about the newbies and, and the people just getting started. It, it's important to speak to somebody either in your area or to us, um, and we can help you out with things like nutrition and um, equipment, et cetera, et cetera. And, and speaking of equipment, I mean, if somebody's really just getting into the sport uh, with regards to, I mean, let's be honest, it's not the cheapest of, of sports to be involved mm. in. How, <laughs> how important is getting onto a, a, a tri bike? Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say a tri bike is the first thing you want to get. Um, you need a, a decent road bike first and foremost. Um, obviously, if you're planning on doing Ironman, then a tri bike is nice to have, but it's definitely not the first thing you want to have on your list. Um, the first thing you want is a decent wetsuit. Um, but yeah, there's you know there's so many different things out there like running shoes. You can spend a fortune on which you don't actually need to. So, so you can pick and choose, and you don't need absolutely everything. You can get away with quite a lot. Yeah, I think we've we've all got sort of photos of how we started with the weird-looking mm. bicycle and the strange <laughs> helmet, and yeah, you don't need the yeah. best the best gear to get going. It it, it can no, become expensive, and not. and you can sort of upgrade as you go. I'm sure you'd agree. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I know that's true. Claire, thank you so much for chatting to us. All the best to you and Kent with your your sort of escapades overseas and, and the quest cool, to qualify for Kona. Enough. And yeah, yeah I'd thank l- you very much. Would love to catch up in the future and 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 see sort of if there are any other tips and that that you can give us because I know you guys are doing amazing work down there uh, in the Western Cape thanks, with with Brad. your guys and and also online. Great, thanks so much. Thanks for chatting to us. We're catching up with uh, Gavin Krobler from the multi-sport basement this week, and, and one of the, the biggest sort of mistakes triathletes make is, is they go and spend ridiculous amounts of money on a bicycle, but then don't spend that little bit extra to get the thing set up properly, and and it's probably in my opinion, more important to have the setup done properly than have an expensive bike. You can do a proper setup on a, on a road bike with tri bars, but if you've got the tri bike, it's really worth worth sort of doing. Gavin, thanks for chatting to us today. In your opinion, why is it so important to have such a, a proper proper setup? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty vital when you're going over longer distances, especially um, not only triathlon but even just cycling as a sport on its own. You know, you've got to be number one comfortable so that you don't hate you know riding those kind of distances and then at the same time it's very important for injury prevention and as a triathlete especially I mean you're doing quite a lot of running off the bike and you know a lot goes towards energy saving and like I said as well injury prevention Um, efficiency is also key on the bike you know so you know over long distances a lot of adjustments and um, small differences make small changes make a big difference over large distances so yeah, it's very important. Okay, and then with regards to sort of being able to run better off off the bike, will will having the proper setup allow you to run better when when you get off and out of T two? Most definitely. Um, it's not the be all and end all to have a tri bike, but uh, you know, getting down into a good setup, um, reasonably aero um, and comfortable. You know, you're then using the right muscle groups to cycle as opposed yeah. to running off the bike. So, you know, it's key to to be fresh. You know, for 
even if it's a 10k, like a standard distance uh, triathlon, very important to be fresh off the bike and no niggles, no backache, um, no knee niggles and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, I'm one of those guys that's guilty. We've got a set of Allen keys and we'll travel. <laughs> Tell me, what, 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 what do you look for? Like if somebody has to bring their bike into your shop, what are they, they going to get for, for the proper bike setup? How do you do it? Um, yeah, there's quite a, quite a few things that we, we look at. Um, depends on what kind of race you're going to be doing. You know, if you're going to be doing a, a sprint distance as opposed to all the way up to Ironman, there's a lot of things to look at. Um, you know, your build, you know, your, it's, it's not a matter of just how tall are you. You should be on this size bike or you should have this kind of setup. Uh, there's a lot of aspects to look at, you know. Um, also being you know, the, the sort of times you're going for. Um, a person who is going to win their age group at Ironman will have a very different setup to someone who's looking just to finish Ironman, um, whether you're on a trial bike or a road bike. Okay. Cool. Gav, yeah, I think that sort of sums it up. I mean, it's one of those things that people often neglect, and, and I'm glad we sort of touched on it today. Uh, if folks want to come in and check out your store, if they want to bring their bike down for a fit, where, where can they find you? You can find us... Uh, you can give us a ring, uh, 011-234-6299. We can set you up uh, with a booking. Um, we've got two formats uh, of bike setup. We've got uh, Retool, which is a digital computerized setup. Um, there's also uh, the manual way of setting up, um, which we've got a lot of experience in doing that. Um, in my, myself, I've been doing it for a decade almost, setting people up manually. Um, so it just depends on you know how accurate you want to go. There's obviously benefit to the di the digital retool setup, but at the same time you know it's double the price. So there's still benefit in going manual setup. Um, yeah, I think that we should actually get you down here for a setup. And get you <laughs> get well me done properly for for, uh, for the trial season. Yeah. Well, what I'll do as well, though, Gav, is I'll I'll pop your details on our website as well. So if folks want to want to check out your store and, and find out all the details they can just uh, get to trytalksa.co.za thanks for, the, for your time today and I'm sure we'll catch up again in the near future cool thanks Brad Well, that's it for this week's episode, the first one of Try Talk SA. Thanks again for listening. We really hope you did enjoy the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please do. You can pop me an email, podcast at trytalksa.co.za. If there's anyone you'd like us to interview or feature on the show, we'd love your feedback. Uh, also, you can follow us on Twitter. It is at trytalksa.co.za or like us on Facebook. Just search for us. And it's that easy. Coming up in next week's show, pretty excited. Uh, it's amazing how many of South Africa's top sportsmen in various codes are taking to triathlon after their career and we're going to be chatting to one of those uh, those guys who, who performed really well on the international scene for South Africa, not going to mention the sporting code, you'll have to uh, download next week's show to find out who it is but hell of a nice guy, we'll be chatting to him uh, in next week's episode of Tri Talk SA, also going to be featuring one of South Africa's big races uh, that's coming up towards the end of the year and we'll be giving you details on how you can win an entry as well to that race. Uh, it's a half, uh, half Ironman event. There's also a sprint that takes place at the same race. Uh, it's a great, great race, and, and you could win two entries. We've got uh, some entries to give away for that race as well. We'll be chatting all about it on episode two. So for myself, Brad Brown, thanks a lot for listening. Have a great week's training, and we'll catch up soon. Cheers. Cheers.